from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to The Superiority Complex, everybody. Your new favorite podcast. It's our spring break special. This is number four in a special series of one-on-one interviews with people I admire, people I, I dig, People, I, I can't go on with this bit. That's all I got. People I admire, people <laughs> I dig. Um, we actually have, this This person has been mentioned. This this mystery guest has been mentioned. I don't know why I do this. Why do I do the buildup? They can read the description. Right. They already know. It's Steve O'Dockerson, everybody. Uh, if you don't know Steve O'Dockerson, Steve O'Dockerson, uh, Steve O'Dockerson also performs under the pseudonym Hob the Troll. Hob the Troll. And mm-hmm. you've heard us talk about his latest album, 50 million Hob fans can't be found, which you can find on Bandcamp. And I suggest that you go find it right after you're done listening to this podcast. Or if you want to stop and sprinkle in some of the songs as we listen to them, pick it up. It's 10 bucks. I know it's nine, Steve, but I'm trying to make you that extra buck. It's 10 bucks on Bandcamp. Yeah, you, you can pay as much as you want. If you think it's worth 50 bucks, pay the 50 bucks. Don't be a cheapo. Um, but it is a, a, it's a pleasure to have you, Steve-O. Welcome. Hey, happy to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I, you know what? I appreciate you. And um, I, I, we discovered each other via Pat Francis, our mutual friend, Pat Francis. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was on one of the episodes of Rock Solid, and he said, you know who you got to listen to? you got to listen to Hob the Troll. <laughs> and then he explained the idea behind the character. So do you want to let everybody know what the, what the character of Hob the Troll is all about? Yeah, sure. So uh, I started working at uh, Renaissance Festivals uh, about 19 years ago. Uh, I grew up in a very small town in rural Michigan, and there was nothing to do. There, like it's, we had a stoplight, and just it was awful. But the highlight of every year, even as a, as a kid, was the Renaissance Festival, which is kind of down the street. So I would go to there uh, as a kid, and that's where I just kind of saw, like, oh, people do this people and it was it was like yeah the renaissance but it was also like live comedy right sure um and, and uh, i just kind of realized oh this is this is people's job hey how can i do this and so i uh i joined and uh, as a resident cast and then pretty quickly they're like okay well um hey do uh, like they had me running events and stuff and then uh i made up this character that was a a bridge troll to kind of get me out of the children's dell. I, I wanted to do like some kind of monster, you know, character. Um, and like all of the, all of the, for lack of a better term, fairy tale characters were relegated to the children's dell. And I just got sick of that shit. So I'm like, well, how do I make a character that's so ugly that it'll scare kids, but not, you know, make them cry. I just didn't want to be around them sure. the whole day. So I came up with this troll character and it used to be a lot more surly. And then, there was, I was just, you know, sitting on the bridge doing my thing. Uh, I have big uh, teeth on the bottom jaw that I made. I learned how to make dental prosthetics and just did it. How did you and learn then, to make dental prosthetics? Well, I mean, I guess the internet was around, so. Well, it was, but it was also like you buy this kit and watch this DVD, and I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> and I know well, I knew enough about you know mold making and casting and that kind of stuff, so I, it, it wasn't as difficult as I thought. And you know I know I have enough art and sculpture background, so I did that. 
And then, like, at the time, I had a, one yellow contact. I made these big foam ears, which have, you know, gone through a bunch of uh, different um, looks over time. But I remember I was just kind of sitting on the bridge hanging out, and somebody uh, said, like, oh, look at that ugly troll. And I was just like, it just, I was in a bad mood anyway. And she just, like, called me ugly to my face, and I was just, <laughs> I didn't say anything to you. Why would you do that? And she's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. And I'm just like, oh, okay, there's there's a lot more power in this. I just, like, I, 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 it was originally a lot more passive of a character. And then I realized I could really mess with people. And then, I, you know, I would just do, like, weird security checks on people for no reason. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't really have anything to do. And then, like... I brought a guitar because I was bored uh, because I'm like, I didn't think this through. I can't interact with as many people as I want to because they're just ignoring me. So I'm going to just play music. And there was a guy who's quite hungover, and I had a, a, a mug with my uh, with some root beer in it or something, and he just put a dollar in the thing with the root beer, and he's I'm giving this for you to stop. <laughs> and I'm like, well, hello, new career. Um, and when you're uh, at that fair at that time when you're street cast you couldn't accept tips but it kept happening so I went to the casting director uh, the entertainment director and I said hey this keeps happening can I go out at the end of the day outside of the festival and just see how this goes Uh, like it'll be after I'm you know like I won't technically be on the clock but It'll still be getting people out. She said, yeah, just go ahead. Just do whatever you want. And uh, it started to work. And she saw it. And she's like, well, I guess there's no stopping you now. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, I've, I've been doing that ever since. Do you remember the song you were playing when the drunk guy asked you to stop? I think it was just screaming. I think it was just, <laughs> uh, I, I think it was just ah, no, 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 no. The the voice really obnoxious. The voice you use for Hob the Troll, if you if you haven't heard the album, or if you've never heard Steve O do the character, it's somewhere between Brack on Space Ghost Coast to Coast, and yeah, like Curly, Curly uh, from the Three Stooges <laughs> when he's like cooking that little. Wah, wah, wah. There, there's there's that. It's it's like. There's a little bit of Jiminy Glick when it it goes really hard and it goes low, yeah. you know. So it's just just the weird intonation of that, but um, uh, vaguely uh, vaguely British. I, I always say I'm from uh, Detroit, England, <laughs> and the voice really came from. So when I built the the first prosthetic, it brought my jaw out like this. And when you t- when you're talking and you bring your jaw out, it just makes your voice go like this. And you put that with an English accent, and it just kind of sounds like this. And then you get used to it a while, and that's 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 how it came. Uh, so initially, so what songs were you doing initially? Were you just making up your own stuff, or were yeah, you doing covers? I was making, I was making up songs uh, about the people who would walk by, <laughs> and. Um, you know, it it wasn't very it wasn't very sophisticated. It was just like green shot, very upset that he's here, green shot, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, and then like 
you know, there's always the idiots who just, you know, yell Freebird at you, which uh, don't do. Don't ever, hey, hey, audience listening, don't, don't do that. That's the, uh, you know, equivalent of asking, it, oh, this didn't scan, is it free? No. <laughs> no, it's not. You're not, it's, it's, um, but like, well, oh, no, okay, so this is really what it was. Um, there were, there was a, there was a stage nearby with two guys doing a juggling show called the Zucchini Brothers. And they had a thing of like, they would juggle the 10 most dangerous things throughout history, right? <laughs> the, the thing I remember from this was uh, they had, uh, here's the burning ring of fire that Johnny Cash fell into. <laughs> and it was uh, a metal ring, on the, and then on the inside there was a, a wick for, a, you know, so you could light it on fire. And I said, like, I, you know, I, I'd hang out with these guys uh, between shows, uh, Todd, uh, Todd and Jim, and I said, you know, I, I know that song. They're like, Oh, do you want to come out when we bring that out and sing the song? You know, sing sing a verse of the song. I'm like, yes, yes, I do. And so it was that. And then I'm like, well, nobody's really stopping me from doing the, you know, doing all the songs I I know. So like, I would just, it was just like me doing songs that I knew, but as a troll and screaming them, and and it it just got a little bit more attention than doing the same. I don't know two dozen songs that you hear at all Renaissance festivals. And I'm like, is, is that troll playing whip and post? Is that, <laughs> um, in fact, uh, there's a song on, uh, 50 million hob fans can't be wrong or can't be found that I remember doing pretty early on. Uh, I bought an accordion just because I'm like, I don't know how to play the accordion. This will be hilarious. <laughs> Because the only thing, only thing funnier than somebody who can't sing is somebody who can't play the accordion. That's right. And so I'm like, well, I know how to play the piano. Let's, and, I, and I figured it out. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's a circle fit. So I'm like, it, it, it came to me a lot, a lot quicker than, uh, than I thought it would. So I'd be, I was playing this accordion. Um, and I'm like, I wonder if I can, like, what's this Steely Dan song? <laughs> And so I, I was playing dirty work uh, on the accordion just because I, I knew that everybody leaving was like, what the hell is happening? This is the most bizarre goddamn thing, which is my favorite kind of comedy, right? Just out of so left field. So I'm doing that. Hmm? I said just out of left field, uh, kind of like, uh, you know, my, my daughter and I were listening to the album yesterday, and I kind of played her snippets of it, but I, we were driving around. We're do, we've been doing these COVID drives where we, we get her yeah. out of the house for, so it came to Blue Bayou, which she, she's, it's a song that she's familiar with. And when it got <laughs> to the part where the background vocals kicked in, she literally, she was drinking a soda and literally almost spit it out in my car. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, 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 my daughter and I share a very, very <laughs> similar sense of humor. So when I heard the album, I said, oh, she's going to love this, but I want to wait to spring it on her until we, you know, she's like a captive audience. We listened to the whole album front to back. And she told me, she goes, if this ends up being something I'm nostalgic for later, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but she really dug it. And she wanted me to say specifically her favorite thing on the entire album was the background vocals from, Blue by it because she was not expecting it and it made her laugh out no. loud. No, and, and when you and like, and when I was doing that song, I'm like, well, I gotta learn. You know, it's it's like I knew it was you know not just da da da, 
but so like I actually like wrote it out like what the uh dum dum dee da dee day la 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 and so anyway uh but yeah that uh <laughs> so goddamn stupid um but okay so uh, I was doing the the Steely Dan song and now when I like like I said before when I was a kid I would go to this fair right and there was a guy there uh named De- uh, his act was Dead Bob. And what he would do is he was he had a, a ventriloquial show, um, but he didn't want to like pretend to not move his mouth, so he just wore a canvas bag over his head. <laughs> and he had this he has this puppet that's a that's a um, uh, that's a skeleton, and he just says, "Oh yeah, this is like I'm dead, so I I, I hired this live guy to uh, you know just carry me around." And I saw him as a kid. Right. I saw him for the first year I was doing this and, you know, I'm, I've been working there about two years and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess it, it, it is. So he told me his name is Clark. Uh, he's kind of a grump, but he's a nice guy. Um, yeah, you'll see him around. And like I was doing that song and I, I look over to the side. This is at the end of the day. And he's just kind of standing over there like watching. And then he goes inside and I'm like, I think dead Bob just just saw me saw me do this right and so uh there's uh there's dance parties during the week uh there because a lot of people stay on on site uh they you know have a a campground there and like i was living i think i was still living at home yeah and um so i went to this dance party where where clark was was djing (laughs) and i'm like well i'm gonna go and and introduce myself and i said hi i'm 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 steve-o i i play hob the troll he's like you were playing Steely Dan. That was fucking great. <laughs> I, 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 I have your shirt. And, uh, yeah, he, um, like he, he, we, we got to know each other really well over the years and, uh, he, he passed away this year. Oh no. But, um, yeah. So like, but that's why I put, uh, that's why I recorded, like I recorded dirty work, you know, um, when he, like when I heard he was first kind of doing poorly, Mm-hmm. And I'm like, here you go. Like, ho- you know, hopefully this will make your day. And, uh, yeah, he, um, but what was really cool is that, you know, when I was a kid, I had his, his dead Bob shirts. Like everybody, like, like that was, it's like one of the first bits of like merch of Renaissance Festival that like a lot of people had. Right. And then I, I had a, I used to have a shirt that was, uh, Hob the Troll as Che Guevara, because we're both uh, mercenaries. <laughs> um, really? <laughs> and uh, and he was one of the first people to buy it. Oh, that's great. And so so there's pictures of him, and he wore it all the time. So, like, yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear of his passing, because it seems like he was, a, he, he was a good influence on you. Oh, my God, he was a legend. And just, like, yeah, just, just um, yeah. What uh, so you you know you we mentioned that you covered uh, Linda Ronstadt, you covered uh, Steely Dan, you also cover um, uh, Aretha Franklin on this album, you cover uh, Elvis Presley on this album, mm-hmm. uh, you cover a lot of uh, of different acts. What? How did you come up with the set list for this for this album? So this one, I there's there's more like I recorded a lot more right mm-hmm. uh, that didn't end up on here. Um, the first, so I did this. I did an album 
when I first when I I got a stage show right because there's a couple of different kinds of, of shows at the Renaissance Festival. There's lane acts, which I primarily am, which is you're kind of in and around the people. Uh, there's stage acts, which you have set times you are performing, and I did that for a little while, and uh, I wrote a couple of songs that I would do in my act, and I had a song called "I Hate Goats." <laughs> and uh, trolls need loving too, <laughs> that kind of thing. And so I put out an album called Hobbs Sings, which I always would say it was named after the cook on Bonanza. <laughs> and thank you. Uh, and I did that. It was just kind of like, okay, here's here's a little bit of, like here's you know some more merch. They were all burned CDs. They were like five bucks. And then. I sh- I'm like, oh, I should do a Christmas album. And so I did another one of just like, I, I-, I think I-, I-, I found a Hammond organ. It was one of those like, it's free if you move it. Oh, geez. And so, yeah, they're, like, they're not really hard to find. It's a lot of like, it's a lot of like, if you look at the free section of Craigslist, you can find some cool instruments if you know what to look for. Um, but with the first Christmas album, I just kind of recorded it as I was writing it and performing it. And I just took the um, cover of Slim Whitman's Christmas album. (laughs) And I just, I just, not even good Photoshop. I just took a picture of me that's just square. (laughs) I just like, just smile on there. And it's just Hob the Troll, Troll the Ancient Yuletide Carol. (laughs) Right? And so, like, those were just kind of burn CDs. And then I did a Kickstarter for the, the next album, which I entitled Pet Smells. <laughs> which, uh, it's, it's another thing of covers. But I, I, was doing, I was doing the Hobcast, and I'm like, well, this will be a way for me to, you know, kind of make myself record songs you know i'll put a song at the end of the podcast and at the end i'll have enough for an album and i did that and then i just kept recording and then you know once covid hit and all of my contracts just you know dried up and like who knows i'm like well i got some time so i just started recording more and uh i'm like well like what would what would be the next album and uh i was just kind of looking at album covers just as, for inspiration uh-huh. and the 50 million Elvis fans can't be wrong. I'm like, well, yeah, 50 million Hob fans can't be found. There we go. Perfect. Done. And then I'm like, okay, well, what would be on that album? Like a lot of stuff from, yeah. So Roy Orbison, uh, Elvis. Yeah. You did, but, a, uh, you did a, this album. It's, 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 it's great. It's, uh, their, their covers. It's not really song parody because they're, no. le- they're legitimate covers. And I was telling my daughter the reason this works. The the, the reason, like, okay, let's, let's take for example a guy like sure. Richard Cheese who does lounge covers of like hip hop mm-hmm. and rock. The reason that joke works is because the musicianship. He has really good jazz musicians who, mm-hmm. and the arrangements and everything are dead on. There is a moment in Blue Bayou because I'm a huge Linda Ronstadt fan. There's a moment in Blue Bayou. Where you say worried, where you sing worried exactly the way I always thought that was a weird <laughs> read of the way she says worried when she sings that song, and you nail it, you hit it exactly. So there's a ton of these little moments in the album, on the album, that just 
it's like this this insane attention to detail that makes everything ten times funnier. If you're familiar with, you don't have to be familiar with the source material, but if you are and you know, you're listening for these little things, like your version of Burning Love, which kicks off the album, sounds exactly, you got that same, if you've ever heard the non-mastered version of this, you're like, did Elvis pay somebody $7 to record this? He was the biggest recording star in the world. It should sound so much bigger and better. And the remastered version does. But if you ever hear the original off of like that album, it doesn't sound great. And you kind of nail that sound right off the album. And then, you know, the other songs kind of get more. But you were able to recreate that sound almost exactly. And it's insane to me. But to me, I was having so much fun listening to all the little details on this album. That kind of, so yeah. I I, to, I I mean, yeah. You can just tell you have a love for the source material, and it comes through, and that's and, what works. And what's and uh, like so you you know you mentioned um, you know you were talking about yeah yeah Linda Ronstadt did Blue by You. I I was more familiar with the Roy Orbison. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and same with um, same with uh, uh, she also. Uh, recorded just one look and sure. I'm like again i'm more familiar with the doris troy yeah yeah yeah. um that, which is a great i was like, wondering which version you had you, you well, what i what i do is like you know i'll listen to um you know i'll listen to the song like that i want to do and then i'll look for other you know like well how many other times has this been covered and just one look has been covered by everybody yes and everybody yeah. does it different mm-hmm. you know uh my personal favorite is klaus nomi uh, because it's it's just so ridiculous and um, it's it's kind of the same spirit of Klaus Nomi covering the song and and Hob the Troll covering the song. <laughs> and I've thought about like you know I've got other st- I've got other stuff recorded that I didn't put on this because I'm like that ah, wouldn't fit or and when I say wouldn't fit I mean like musically tonally you know I want like this one's this is kind of more of a of a, of a party album. Uh, I've got other stuff that's a little bit more. I don't know what to do with it, really. Did you play, um, did you play all of the instruments on on the uh, yes the toy piano everything? Now mm-hmm. you're gonna, you're going to hear a toy piano. You're going to hear a kazoo. You're going to hear my daughter could not stop laughing at who can it be now? She she <laughs> uh, she she could not. Uh, she could not stop laughing every time the kazoo kicked in. She just it made her laugh harder and harder. I think I think me doing that was inspired by a meme. I think I, think I saw a thing on Tumblr that was just like there's a picture of a little kid playing like there, and I, I had the toy as a kid where it's a kazoo, but you plug in a bunch of other little uh, like faucet looking things to it, <laughs> and it's like who could it be now? It's just a little one, and then it's who could it be now? And then it's like a lot more elaborate. And I'm like, oh, that's like Bob the Troll can do that. <laughs> Um, How long did it take you to put that together, Steve-O, that whole album? How much work uh, does that represent? Well, let's see. Some of those songs I recorded, I think I think the um, the Ringo song I did for um, Pet Smells, and then that just didn't end up on there, but I really liked that version, so I'm like, you know, I just kept it around in the back pocket. I'm like, ah, let's see if it fits here. Okay, it fits in right here. Yeah, so about... I don't know. It's it's hard to say. The oldest song on, on there that like has kind of been on the um, you know, in the files maybe seven years. Okay. And wow. And other ones I did maybe two weeks before. 
That's like, amazing because it all sounds like, you know, it sounds like you went into a studio and just, uh, and, and, you know, it was a one cohesive. Well, I did as much mixing in, uh, as I could to the best of my abilities. And then I did, uh, um, hire a buddy of mine, um, Dave Feeney at, uh, Temper Mill Recording Studios in Detroit. Uh, at, if, if you're, uh, Please check out uh, the Temper Mill. Dave Feeney is is phenomenal. He played on uh, the Van Leer Rose album that Loretta Lynn did. Oh wow! Um, yeah, uh, but I'm an old, you know we're old friends, and I'm like, hey, um, I, I I sent it to him as just kind of like, hey, what would you do? Like you know, like because I also wanted to just kind of like, y- you learn by doing. So I want to figure out like, okay, sure. how do you, how do you record like or how do you how do you mix this? I can record this. How do you how do you mix it right? And he's just like, uh, well, you did a lot of the work, uh, but how does this sound? And he sent me a mix, and I'm like, well, this is fantastic because it all sounded, you know, like the same album, and uh, that's what ended up uh, working. Because um, when I was re- like, I, I would record it, and here's a little here's a little tip uh, for all those home uh, music recorders: uh, go in your car. And if you have an aux cable, do that because if it sounds good in your car stereo, it's just that, like then then you're golden. You know what's funny, Steve? Somebody, some, some Steve, somebody gave me that advice when I first started podcasting. They're like, go record yourself. Yep. Go in your car because mm-hmm. that's the biggest sound you're gonna get. That's the biggest thing people are gonna listen to you on. And if it sounds good in there, you're okay. You know, make sure it's bound, you know, get the music right, get all the stuff right. Mm-hmm. So that is great advice for, even if you just want to go out and start your own dumb little podcast like this one, you just, you know, uh, it takes a, a, it takes a, a little practice. You know, you're not, you're not going to get it the first time, but that's great. Uh, I honestly, I really thought that you, this was something that you would kind of put together during COVID and, uh, you know, I think a lot of them are, yeah, a, a lot of them are like, I, I had the idea, like people, cause people would keep asking me, when are you going to do another album? And I'm like, well, I'm working on it, but I, I didn't have, I had the time. I just didn't have the motivation. And then with COVID, I'm like, well, I have no reason not to. And I, but I didn't really know, like I had all the songs that I wanted to do, but you know, with, uh, with the name that tune, uh, crowd, uh, that, uh, we were doing with Pat, I was doing there for a minute. Like every so often, I would be like, "All right, hey, hey, the winner of this game, give me a uh, like, give me a song." And that's why I ended up covering Rick Springfield, right? <laughs> that's why, uh, that's why Bread and Butter is on there. Like Bread and Butter, like that might as well be Hob the Troll. <laughs> like, listen to that right next to each other. Like, uh, what I'm doing is not nearly as silly as that. What's great about this album is honestly you like the musicianship is such that you it's you can listen to it. The, your version of Magnet is great. Or Hobbs version of Magnet is great. Like I was like, this is a legit. This is a, a well recorded, well done song. It's it's great. It's it's like Weird Al Yankovic level of of dedication, and that's why Weird Al's been, you know, so good for so long because he, you know, these aren't just throwaways. You know, he puts some right. time and effort into it. And so this just just represents you can tell this isn't just something that's slapped together. And again, well, I'm, thank you. yeah, it's great. I love it. And uh, like I, I like I told my friend on uh, on uh, my friend Kenny, who's a 
he was a guest a few weeks ago. He's a, a New Orleans drummer. I said, this is a lot like the Sammy Maudlin show on SCTV where I just bring people on and I just, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I just kiss ass for like, you know, 45 minutes. But no, honestly, uh, Steve, uh, you know, you don't need me to tell you it's, it's good work, but I'm just, imp- I'm just impressed with the level of musicianship. So, um, um. I've been playing since I was 16. It's just it, like, it, it, it's just, I just enjoy it. I think tongue tied. I did. That was all. I think there was two takes. Oh, wow. Total. I think, I, I think that one, I just bashed it out real quick just to see if I could. And I'm like, I, I kind of like the way this, this works. Most of the time I'm my own worst critic, you know, but with this, I, I was listening to him. Like, I think, people will like this yeah oh my god I, it's a legit album uh you know and, and again you know it, it's kind of like it's one of the things where you have to explain that once people get the the central conceit of the uh, of the bit then it's oh you, yeah. you can you can go with it and uh, i imagine you like it's such that i just imagined you in the studio in the full regalia with the with the uh dental implants just going for it and the ears i i just imagined you like Steve-O probably walked into this into the studio. I'm not going to take that away from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, because I love it. You know, I, lo- I love the idea that you're in there. And you're like Sinatra. We're doing this in one take, and then we're just, that's it. Doom. Boom. One, two, three. Boom. You got the wrecking crew behind you, and then, you know, hucha, 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 and it's, uh, you know. I mean, that's kind of that's what it is. Like, like for the, for the music, that, that's kind of what it is, because... When I'm when I'm playing as Hob, like warts and all, man. Like if I mess up, that that's that's just in there, and like I'll play around it. But I don't like. I, I think it's more interesting. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's fun. I think that's that's part of the fun. And you you brought up your you were doing name that tune over yeah. over the over the COVID. Uh, I was doing mm-hmm. uh, I was doing home game show. We were both kind of doing the home. Let's have people over, and, and I got to be in your. Um, on name that tune once and and then to my much i will shout out michael bagford much to my shame after four appearances on rock <laughs> solid as the kinks guy michael bagford stole the kinks answer right from under me so shout out to mikey bags uh and uh, i still say that man i still say that's why i wasn't asked back on name that tune i feel like i, I didn't i didn't do it after I feel, uh, more after that i feel like i, just, I, bl- I feel like i blew my because tune. There are so many times, like, it was just, my my musical taste is so strange as it is. I, I listen to just a lot of weird stuff. Um, the last pull-up, like, the last album I bought, and I got them from Bandcamp, were uh, a bunch of uh, Brazilian Bossa Nova albums from the 60s. Nice. Uh, and, like, I listened to just, just yeah, a lot of bossa nova and a lot of exotica, a lot of you know Martin Denny, Martin Denny yeah. Les Baxter, mm-hmm. Arthur Lyman, um, all that stuff where I could just kind of have it on. Yeah, you get yourself a, a playlist with some Esquivel and some. Uh, I was just going to ask um, if your if your taste uh, reached into Esquivel. Absolutely, uh, yeah. His version of uh, Brazil, yeah. where he you're, where he's walking from bar to bar, is pretty yes. tough to beat. Uh, yeah. just for that oral experience the idea that you're like theater of the mind love mm-hmm. it i love it i love all that stuff and just but just like uh like all all of that all, all of that stuff uh 
yeah, I, I listen. I listen to a lot of a lot of a lot of that. Uh, I really, I'm really but, sad. My my co-host John isn't here today uh, because you you two would just it would be a match made in heaven. You know, uh, he was the guy that you know introduced me to like Raymond Scott. And, oh yes, and absolutely, th- and things like that. You know, and you know, and Spike Jones, and and you know, mm-hmm. he was. You know, I I was heavy into jazz, and so I would kind of you know give him you know, jazz was like the one blind spot in his in his uh knowledge and so but he would always come back with something like hey have you heard of you know if, and you know it would always be something interesting and you know here's the gonzo dog band and here's the you know yeah. <laughs> well there's and there's and there's like there's enough of a over like in, in terms of the venn diagram uh jazz stuff and then ultra lounge and mm-hmm. um like it, 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 it's the musicianship. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've got, I've got a playlist uh, uh, for for a tiki room, which which I'm in right now. I got some lava lamps behind me. I've got all sorts of you know um, songs with bird calls in them, and then I also have you know just thrown in there Alice Coltrane, and it fits. Yeah, because it's it's like you said, it's that soundscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times those guys, even the, you know the jazz guys. You have a guy, they were doing kind of concept albums. You have like mm-hmm. Sonny Rollins doing an album like Way Out West and it's, he's doing I'm an Old Cow Hand and he's doing all these kind of like concept or they're doing, you know, Brazil, you know, Sounds of Brazil or, you know, yeah. South American songs or, you know. And I did, I did Brazil on Pet Smells. That's I'll, f- I'll have to send that to you. Please do. I need, is Pet Smells available somewhere? Can we? Uh, I just, well, I, I only, had, the, the thing with an album of mostly covers is you have to pay for the rights. Sure. And for that one, I've just like, uh, I paid for mechanical rights back in the day and I spent a lot of money to get like, I think about a thousand, um, physical copies. Um, you know, so like, and I've, I've sold most of them. I think I, if I order one more, you know, the place I get CDs from, if I get like another 300, I'll have to like re up it to, um, oh, okay. ASCAP or whatever. But what I might do is I might just switch that over to uh, you know getting the digital like like the download. I have to I like I have to look into it. So yeah, that is prohibitive um, because it is. I was I was going to ask that actually. You know, you're doing an album of all covers. You know, is that mm-hmm. is that you know that's, that's got to be prohibitive? Probably why it is. It is, but it's I make it work. I'm not I'm not expecting to get you know just just crazy rich off this. It's both like. And 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 that's why I also like Bandcamp is because they take care of you. Mm-hmm. They they make sure that you know people can't record you and then you know upload you on different things like other streaming platforms. Yeah, you know they'll they'll help you out with that. And uh, I I know enough about the about all that stuff to just kind of figure out like okay if I want to make money from this I have to do this and this and this and this. Oh, okay, well is it worth it? Now we'll see, because I I've got a bunch of ideas where I'm like I could record that, I could record I could start recording that tonight, right? I there's some group there's a there's a a, a group that I've worked Renaissance festivals with called the Body Boys. Shout out to the Body Boys, and they do a lot of um, uh, they're an Irish drinking band, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at festivals they're an Irish drinking pirate band, and uh, I've known those guys. Uh, forever we both are from michigan and then we both moved down to florida um and i came up with the idea i want to do an album 
Hob the Troll and the Body Boys, Super Sounds of the Seven Seas. <laughs> and just do just do 70s songs, but like as as pirates. Beautiful. I love it. Well, There's you- a port and the Western Bay and it serves 40 ships a day sailors. <laughs> You got to do, you, you could do sailing. Uh, yep, Christopher you, you Cross. Christopher Cross, you, which you mentioned. You could do Come Sail Away. Uh, oh, and, and then uh, uh, what's the son other one? Son of a Son of a Sailor. Yeah, yeah. You, Florida. You, you got all kinds of stuff. Ride Captain Ride is going to be top on the on the list as well. <laughs> I hope this album, I want this album to see, especially right now, the kids on TikTok, huge into sh- uh, sea shanties. This could really... I, this yeah, could, and I wish it would have. I wish that that trend would have held out for another six months to where more Renaissance festivals were going on. Yeah, because like when it hit, I'm like, oh, oh, please stay around so my friends can make money. Yeah. Oh, I know, I, I know some people who need some album sales. Please just just hold out a little bit more so people can do these in in person. But yeah, I also wanted. Uh, yeah, Hop the Trolls Country album is going to be ridiculous. That's going to be. <laughs> What's the name? What's what, what name do you have for the? Uh, I like your names. I think I think that one I I, I was gonna call stop stop or will uh, stop or I'll shoot and have it be um the the gunfighter ballads by Marty by Robbins. Marty Robbins yeah <laughs> and just be like in front of him like um <laughs> playing or or uh, I want to hear I, I, I do want to hear Hob the Troll do uh, El Paso. Yes, I also like. I've I've got a, I've got a list, right? Um, you know, Big River is going to be on there. Um, uh, south of the border, certainly. Sure, down Mexico way. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> that uh, I can't wait for some of these. I, I, I see. I want. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think you need to get to work on these, Steve. And then you know. We we to quote uh, Ray Davies, give the people what they want, my friend. Give the people what they yes. want. But you do playing those games, playing name that tune with you. You were pulling stuff out of every genre. You were pulling stuff out of you know electronica. You were doing mm-hmm. uh, you you just the breadth of musical knowledge that you have is is staggering. Uh, and I'm I'm someone that's into a lot of different kinds of music, but it's just you were going so deep on some of those. Uh, I could not. It blew my mind. It's food, you know. It's it's you gotta you gotta be an adventurous listener. Mm-hmm. You gotta try some stuff out. But also, like, there's some stuff that I don't. So I was working in a record store for a hot minute, and sometimes you know uh, we'd play some really freeform jazz, and I'm like, hey guys, I need to alphabetize. <laughs> And my brain is not getting any resolution from any of these uh, uh, um, these uh, chords, and it's 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 messing with me. So can we, uh, you know, tone it down just a little bit, just so I can, sure. you know, figure out the alphabet. Um, <laughs> at the same time, having to listen to like a radio station with top forty right now is just. It, or, or even like, you know, the hits of the uh, '80s, '90s, and today is just like, oh god, I'm gonna maybe get one good song every three hours, and it's yeah. songs that are like, okay, I used to like these, but it, you know, it's 
yeah, I just, I, uh, I don't know. So what's your go-to right now? You said you just pulled a bunch of uh, Brazilian. Yeah. Uh, uh, a bunch bossa of, Nova. A bunch of, yeah, a bunch of Brazilian Bossa Nova. Uh, those are my most recent purchases. What's the one genre you can go to that never lets you down? Like it's your, your go-to in your pocket. Nineties uh, indie rock, like nineties college indie rock, like pavement and uh, everything on the Matador label in the nineties. Okay. You know, I'm just, uh, yeah. Yola Tango. I was listening to guided by voices for, uh, for, for three hours today. Everything Stephen Malkmus does from pavement. I like it. And you know, yeah. Um, I, lo- I do. Yeah. That's probably, it, that's probably a certain time in your life when you were into that music or, it but re- even stuff that he's put out, even like like every album he puts out, I like it. Yeah, like it's it's just like oh, what's he like? It may take me a minute to kind of figure out what he's doing with it. Like his last two albums were kind of like, eh. and then I figured out I'm like, oh okay, I, I can get into this. But yeah. So do you? Is there any, is there any genre you avoid? You said you know, it's like food. You got to be adventurous. Is there any genre aside from free jazz? Obviously, so sunrise. Even even even. No, I, I love sunrise though. <laughs> but like, there's there's a time and a place for everything. Sure. You know, if if sunrise is on, you know, at uh, and you're at somebody's house, and it's like, yeah, like I've 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 been to noise shows. I've been to harsh noise shows in the basement of 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 you know haunted houses in Ypsilanti, Michigan. You know, I've seen Wolf Eyes perform in uh, the basement of a puppet theater. Right? <laughs> I can hand, I can, I can hang, but I'm not going to necessarily go go and seek it out. Sure. Um, I I try out stuff when when like the '90s country that kind of sounds like Bon Jovi. I'm like, eh, pass. Yeah. But if I'm in the right mood, okay. You know, on uh, my my brother, my brother and me, they they did a game where it's like is this a Kenny Chesney song or is this a Jimmy Buffett song? Like just by the title and you can't really tell. And it's just like, okay, well, if, if I'm at a, you know, if I'm at a cookout and this is on, okay. Yeah. As long as it fits the mood. Exactly. As long as it fits the mood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you, you touched on something with like uh, Les Baxter and all that, because I remember when I was really, you know, when I was younger, and I was into, you know, I was very adamant about my, I was very territorial about my jazz. You know, it's like, this is, this is my thing. Nobody else likes it. Everybody else is listening to, you know, whatever, you know, but jazz is mine. I know all about it. Don't come at me with your opinions. Mm-hmm. And then I'd hear something like Les Baxter and I'd go, well, this isn't jazz, but what is it? I can't. Mm-hmm. And then you you realize you have to like, you have to be malleable, and you have to be yeah. you can't be so rigid about your opinions and say, well, I don't I like this, but I don't like that because there's a like you said earlier, there's a lot of bleed over sometimes, and sometimes yeah, and, and, some those musicians are they're they're challenging themselves by playing something different, and and like what you like, and um, if if. If somebody doesn't, if somebody's like, "Here's my criticism of this band that you really like," I'm like, "Okay, yes, that's that's valid." Yeah, he does do a lot, a lot of noodling. You're right, I like it. You that know? yeah. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give any, you know anybody a hard time for liking what they like. Uh, I used to, and like, and that's more, and that's more when it comes to music. Um, 
there's some there's some stuff though that I'm uh, where I'm just like like do you actually like this or is it just kind of an easy say, thing to say oh I like this without actually really liking it you know what I mean yeah just to say I like it because everybody else likes it and I don't want to yeah I don't want to and I don't that want, can get that can get frustrating yeah I I get that way sometimes with uh, I like to I like to argue. I like to argue about things, but uh, as I get older, I realize it's it's more people coming at me than me going after people. So I guess that's one way to. I guess I'm. A, I guess that's cool. I'm. I've mellowed in that way, where I, you know I, I do stop taking people to task for the stuff they like. You know, I, I feel like for, for whatever reason with music, I feel like I'll give people a pass when you know if they're watching like bad television or bad movies. But for some reason, it's like. I don't know. I don't know what it is about music. I feel like, wow, mm-hmm. you really should be, you know, don't you, you? But I think it's because you really hit it on the head when you said it's like food. Um, you know, it, it, that is, it's, 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 it's you know, a, a two-hour movie. You can, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Mystery Science Theater before the before mm-hmm. we got started. You know, you can find something in a bad movie, but bad music it's just a waste of time. Sometimes you're just like, oh, what are and you it's, doing? It doesn't even necessarily have to be bad. It's just something that just like. It's going with the food. It's appetite fatigue. It's just like you listen to this a lot. You've listened to the same kind of thing a lot. I'm not saying I'm not saying go out and buy, you know, the entire uh, Sergio Mendez catalog, but have an album. Sure. Have an album. Yeah. You know, like like keep that keep that in your back pocket just to kind of like oh okay this is this is you know keep, like throw it into rotation. Yeah. Who doesn't like Brasilia '66? Come on. Yeah. Everybody loves so that. Good. Right. So cool. There's yeah. there's nothing as cool as that. There's a reason that it is, that it is, it is both super cool and also super square and it's just, <laughs> it's so good. There's a reason that 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 Bossa Nova took the country by storm in the '60s. Um, and all that stuff, you know, I was just talking about this with uh, with uh, with Kenny Seurat. Uh, we were talking about production values of certain, like you know, like you hear a Sinatra album from like, you know, when you when you hear Buddy Holly trying to you know take off, you know, the flip side of that is someone like Sinatra who's recording in this huge this huge sound stage with strings and it's like there's t- just 20 layers deep and you know it's this quadraphonic stereo and all this stuff and all that stuff from from brazil in the 60s sounds like that it's like this soundscape you know it's like those hi-fi the dads in the 60s must have been going nuts with those hi-fi sets those hi-fi oh, cabinets yeah. that had to have been the best thing in the world oh my god yeah I'm still thinking about you. You said uh, Buddy Holly taking off, and I'm like, well, you could have. T- oh, I yeah, you're right. I could have. I could have. Poor, poor choice of words. <laughs> That's good coffee. Um, yeah. But well, let's well, let's. Um, we we mentioned this earlier, and we're gonna. I'm gonna tie it all back together. So we're talking about production values. We're talking about Mystery Science Theater three thousand. And um, I like where your head is. I like that you've taken over the show. Yeah, I'm just going to cruise control it for now on. This is this is well, this is this is kind of what like I wanted. I wanted to talk to you about this. What did you think of the um, of the Netflix ones? I liked them in that they were a great way to introduce a new generation to Mystery Science Theater. Like my buddy John always says, if like I'm a huge Sherlock Holmes nerd, right? 
Mm-hmm. And there's every iteration of Sherlock Holmes now. You know, there's elementary, there's all this stuff. And and, and I always I, I get I get mad about it, some of it sometimes. And then my buddy John always says, Hey, look, if it gets one person to pick up one of the books, yeah, you know, you've won. And I'm like, Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I didn't there were there were things about the new seasons that I didn't like. I thought the second season worked better than the first. And I found out later that the performers weren't operating the puppets. So the voices of the puppets weren't the operators. Yeah. And so to me, that felt like uh, it's weird because I'm in the Mystery Science Theater group on on Facebook. And so I read a lot of the criticisms. And a lot of it, I just say, well, I'm just happy that we have more Mystery Science Theater. Anytime we have more, yeah. it's good. It's a good thing. Um, so what I do is I just try to concentrate on the stuff that happens in the theater. Because they're, they are still great. All mm-hmm. that writing is still sharp. All of those jokes, still great. So I try not to get as upset about the stuff that happens outside of the theater. And that's where yeah. most of the division comes through. It's like the big, it's like the Mike and Joel question. Mike and Joel, you can argue that all day long. But when they're in the theater, I'll take either of those guys. I'll take yeah. Like, and, 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 and for me, it's the same thing. But, we, but also, it comes, uh, like, the production value like went up in some in some cases yeah. and what was what's cool is so one of the production designers is Guy Davis okay right? do you know who Guy Davis no, is No tell me about Guy Davis Guy Davis uh um uh, Lansing Michigan he is uh he drew for BPRD for many years oh, okay. uh, Hellboy um he designed many of the kaiju in Pacific Rim. My yes. eyes just bugged out of my head, Steve-O. Oh, get ready. Well, uh, get ready because they're going to go even further, okay? So he did a lot of the production design for uh, uh, for the reboot, right? Mm-hmm. He also is a Hob the Troll fan. Nice! So I have uh, a drawing of Hob the Troll by Guy Davis... Who you know designed the kaiju? Um, We're gonna let's put a pin in Mystery Science Theater, and let me just okay. tell you, I've said this before, and I will say it again. I said it when I reviewed King Kong versus Godzilla. The yeah. best non-Japanese Godzilla movie is still Pacific Rim, the so original good. Pacific Rim. The kaiju in that movie are fantastic. So you tell your fan from a from a Pacific Rim fan. Great job. Those are amazing. That's fantastic. How does that make you yeah. feel? It, it's 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 just it's absolutely like in, incredible. And it's just one of those um you know the, those those crossroads of intersections. So like uh and with MST3K, um, you know, Dana Gould yes. is friends, you know, has been friends with Joel Hodgson since they were in um you know in, in Minnesota. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like then he I guess he, he wrote some of the like some couple episodes of, of the reboot. And you can tell who like, you know, when it when there's a different series of writers. Yeah. Like for episodes. And that's it's it's not that's I'm not not jarring, but like there's 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 more. It used to just be like the flavor of the movie. Mm hmm. And with the reboot, it's like the flavor of the movie and the flavor of the writing. Yeah, because I know Dan Harmon was doing some of them. Uh, Yeah. yeah. 
They had like but different writing that, teams. But the fact that they were able to spend more money on it, I think, I think didn't necessarily help. Like you get to, you have to be that this is, this is, you know, um, you, the, the reason I loved, uh, watching it on comedy central when I was, uh, when I was a, a, a troubled teen was I'm like, Oh, they just glued a bunch of shit to the wall and yeah. spray painted it one color. Mm-hmm. And it was so punk rock. And it was just like, it's, it's just in your basement and it's doing this. And then it's just like, you watch the reboot. It's just like, is that Mark <laughs> Hamill? <laughs> what's, what's like, it's, it's, it's like a Godiva chocolate, uh, um, uh, nutty bar. It's just like, no, these things like, that's very fancy. I don't want very fancy with my garbage food. I want, I want the garbage food. Uh, I think what it is, is the, the charm of it being homemade. It's this yeah. little, it's this little Midwestern puppet show. I love it so much. It, and you love it. And you know, you love that the, the puppets don't quite work and that, Crow's jaw is a little askew sometimes, yeah. and um, all those little moments. And you, you, you know, you love that Joel is so sleepy-eyed sometimes, and uh, he's not a professional. And they're just like sometimes the props don't work right, but they don't have the money to do seventeen, eighteen takes. So it's yeah. just, they're just going to make it work as well as it can. And uh, that I absolutely, I love it. I, I donated to the, this most yeah. Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. Keep like you know, but at the same time, I'm like, hmm, is this is this the point where I just decide to make robots and just do it myself and be like, oh, by the way, I'm doing this and here you go. The, yeah, the, the 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 money didn't necessarily. It wasn't a show that needed the money, production yeah. value wise. You know, to maybe to get the rights to the movies and all that stuff. But you could have kept the same. That that's what I, I love when the they move. That's what I love when they moved to Sci-Fi Channel. They kept the same. Mm-hmm. They just shot it in the same studio and nothing changed. It's like they had, yeah. the, they had the Sci-Fi Channel mo- money. And uh, I actually like the Sci-Fi Channel era a lot. I do, too. I uh, do, too. I, uh, but, yeah, you're right. They didn't. But I was happy that they kept the, the riffs were still strong. That's, that's really was the, yes. that's the heart of the show for me. Um, I, I, did, I couldn't quite put my finger on what was up. And then somebody pointed out, well, the guy, the actors aren't doing the puppets. And I was like, ah, that's maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's a there's a little bit of a disconnect there too. And also, they especially in the early uh, in the early Joel episodes, there's sometimes where it's just like five or six, like five minutes goes by without a riff. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you allow, and it it works. Mm-hmm. You don't need joke after joke after joke after joke. Like it's good when that happens, but just like you know. Uh, don't be afraid of that silence. Yeah, it took. You can let's, tell they let's were. Enjoy, let's just kind of enjoy the movie and laugh at it together. The, the, I'll, I'll tell you the selection of movies they've got for both seasons on Netflix uh, were, 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 you know, perfect. Perfect. They were great, and uh, you could, you know, they, you could tell at first they were kind of rushing it, and some of them it worked. Like Reptilicus worked. That yeah. worked. That sort of manic energy worked in that one, and in other ones you could tell they were just trying to find. Kind of just digging away, trying to find the jokes. Yeah. And it's like sometimes you just got to let it, you know. And then, there's, and then there's times in the old series where the the movie's so bad, the riffing doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> Even with the riffs, you're like, well, I don't need to see that again. Maybe I'll just watch the puppet segments. Right. You, the the uh, the day the Earth froze, I 
I still can't get through that one. All those, you, I don't know if you, you might, you're a little younger than me, but there was a time when those Russian fairy tale movies yeah. were being advertised on late night TV. You could yeah. buy them in like a set, and it was like, you know, they were really marketing it. To, but those are horrible for children. They're in that weird, uh, the, 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 you know, the Soviet film is so bad that the color flickers. And yeah. uh, <laughs> what's your what's your favorite? What are what are your favorite episodes? Uh, the very first episode. So I'll tell you my history with Mystery Science Theater. Um, I knew of its existence, um, but I we didn't have cable at the time. I didn't have cable. Couldn't afford cable. And uh, the girl I was dating, I, I heard about the show. And the girl I was dating at the time, I we would be at her house and we'd be flipping through the channels. And it would, I would see it. I would see uh, Joel and the bots in the theater. I'd go, oh, my God, this is, I want to watch the show. She'd be like, this is dumb, and change it. I was like, oh, my God. So, of course, I had to break up with her. And then, uh, so, my wife and I started dating. And uh, that's a whole other story. But my wife and I reconnected after some many years apart. And we, uh, we, we, we started dating. And, you know, we had dated before. We started dating again. And we had a friend who was going to the University of Boulder. And uh, she was recording them, and she's like, oh, my God, have you ever heard of Mystery Science Theater? You need to watch it. And I said, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I don't, we don't have, nobody I know has comedy, the comedy channel is what it was back then, I think. Yeah. And um, so she goes, I'll se- I've taped them all. I'm going to send you a bunch of the tapes. So she literally circulated the tapes, and the first episode, yeah. which is still near and dear to my heart, was right after Joel came in. They did Girls Town with Mamie Van Doren. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> my favorite episode. This yeah. is my favorite. Stevo, first am- of all, how mad are you that that was the last release on Shout Factory? That was the la- literally the last set they put out. I don't even. I don't even care as long as it's there. I'm gonna. We're gonna go on a tour here. <laughs> For those of you at home who can't see, uh, he, we're go- Girls Town is my absolute favorite episode. I, we, my wife and I can quote it to you. Mine too. We can quote it to you endlessly. Gigantor. <laughs> oh, that Kennedy compound. Yeah, we do it all the time. Hey, I just saw the- Mamie Van Doren. There's a picture of, uh, there's a picture. Steve-O. Read what, I can't read what it says. Uh, you don't know this yet, uh, kid, but you're way ahead. Oh, that's, that's great. That's a line from Girls Town. That We're is, next to Pat Francis. There's We're next a picture. To Pat Francis. <laughs> Pat Francis. That is the best thing ever. Oh, Steve O. Great. Yeah. And then man, Girls Town. It is oh. it is the best, man. It is the and best. And then like um I like all the uh, all, all the seventies made for TV ones. Yes, uh, San Francisco International is incredible. <laughs> uh, Starfighters is really good. Oh, the, the, with the Jets, that's right. With the yeah, Jets, yeah. 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 Uh, I think my second favorite has to be uh, Village of the Giants, just because the what's well, got the Bo Brummels? No, the Bo Brummels, and then the title sequence is so <laughs> thick with jokes. Uh, to this day, anytime I put on oh a my. pair of, yeah, oh my, oh my word, oh. my wife, my wife and I do that to this day. Oh my, oh my word, she's probably cracking up right now listening. Oh yeah, uh, oh, anytime I put on a pair of glasses, I'll go love these blue blockers. Um, you made my shirt a bra. I love you, which is a, a great thing to say out of context at any time. Um, 
Yeah, those any of the teen, like the teen angst yeah. movies are all good. Anytime they did any of the shorts, any of the industrial shorts. Young are, Man's Fancy. Young Man's Fancy is incredible. That's uh, I am a, I'm a fan of Young Man's Fancy is good. I'm also partial to Why Study Industrial Arts uh, because you're I'm, because you're bad at math. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I also I also think that like a lot of Hank Hill came from that that episode. Oh yes. It is. If you watch that, like, this is young Hank Hill. This is just, yeah. well, I made this one in a couple of weeks. I could probably get another one done even faster. That's Hank Hill. Yeah. Still, your Mexicans do it real cheap. That's one of my favorite. I say that a lot. <laughs> uh, Chicken of Tomorrow is just, is, is just, it's, God, it's so, it's so surreal. The, we have to, I'm going to have you on. You just gave me inspiration. I'm going to have you on with Brent from the Home Video Hustle, and we're going to do a, okay. we have to do a, we have to do a Mystery Science Theater and just geek out over it. Because his yeah. grandmother got him into the show. <laughs> his grandmother, when you hear him tell it on his podcast, his grandmother is the one that would just sit there, he'd sit there and watch the show with his grandma. How great is it that your grandmother uh, introduces you to Mystery Science Theater 3000? What a great grandmother you have. I remember on Turkey Day, um, my grandmother was over. I was a, I was a kid. I was like, I don't know, 12 or so. And uh, um, I'm, I'm in the basement and I'm watching it. And we had, a, we had a, like a spare kitchen in the basement. It wasn't, it wasn't finished. It was enough to have like a fridge and a stove, right? And so like we had a, the whole family over. Um, and they're all upstairs. And I'm like, I don't want to be around everybody. Uh, but my grandmother was down uh, stairs kind of working on some food down here. Uh, and, and I was watching the Turkey Day Marathon. And it was uh, the episode, I Accused My Parents. Oh, yes. <laughs> and um, my grandmother is, uh, you know, she, she is um, a very, uh, very traditionally Lutheran, Midwestern, mm -hmm. you know, Midwestern lady. Um, uh very, very, just like her hobbies include reading the Bible and sitting still. Um, <laughs> but I just remember, like, I was, like I was watching that, and like, I just, like, just every so often, I just hear her cackle in the other room. <laughs> That's so gratifying, isn't it? When you when you hear somebody just like Griffin too, she's like, is she is he gonna what's he gonna go back to? He's working at that shoe shop. <laughs> <laughs> I will still say, uh, because of that show, I still say a, a, a charbroiled hamburger sandwich with a, oh, with a French fried potato garnish. <laughs> my brothers, I, have two, I had two brothers. One passed away. And uh, my oldest brother, the one, one passed away, he, he used to call, we, we, got, we started calling each other bro. Then it was like bruh, bra. And then it settled on Brack because he was a big fan of Space Ghost. Yeah. And then my other brother, who's in between us, uh, when he heard my brother brother call me Brack, he just immediately goes, Brack, Brack siphoned all the gas. <laughs> it was really great because that name had like double, it was a, it was a yeah, double yeah, meaning. Because yeah. my oldest brother wasn't really into Mystery Science Theater, but uh, my middle brother and I will still, uh, you know, if we're both at my mom's on the, at, if we're both at my mom's at, uh, at the same time, we just turn it on Pluto TV and we watch the Mystery yeah. Science oh, Theater. Yeah. And it's the one thing we can both have on and we're both, you know, just sitting there cracking up and nothing gets done. That is, a, what was your first episode? Do you remember? The first episode, 
I think was I think was Pod People. Ah, oh, little winged. No, it wasn't. It was something. It was, it, was, it was the first season. It was. It was something on the first season. Um, and then I'm like, I like this show, but I didn't really like. I never would catch a full episode because I was. I don't think I had full control over the remote yet. Sure. Um, and I, like whenever it was on, I'd be like, "Oh, can we watch this?" We'd watch it for a little bit, and then it, you know, it, it'd switch. But um, yeah, Pod People was an early one mm-hmm. that I remember. Um, yeah. Well, that's interesting because they say "huzzah" in that about fifty times, so that had to be right up your alley, Renfair wise. Right. Right. Um, uh, you know, I'm thinking of the, that first tape she sent me. It was Girls Town. It was Twelve to the Moon, which uh-huh. is another great one. And I think it was First face, Spaceship on Venus. Were all on that first. It was Girls Town, and uh, uh, Twelve to the Moon is another one uh, where you know, like the French guy, uh, you know, <laughs> and then uh, I hate your American moon, and then uh, I'll call it me juice. And there's all these really great. The one line from that one that always that just floored me was the Dr. Strangelove reference where they, they blow a hole in the moon and the like liquid comes gushing out and Mike goes, the moon does not deny me its essence. That just made me <laughs> cackle like an idiot. Uh, so yeah, what a great, what a great show. And I was really, like you said, going back to the new, the new series, I, you know, the, Felicia Day, Patton Oswalt, great cast. Uh, yeah. And I was just happy to hear have the riffs back, and they they did some stuff. Mac and me, I worked at a video store in the '80s, and we actually stocked that on our shelves. Yeah. Oh, we I had to that was on like a uh, rotation uh, for me at you know, you know latchkey. Right? <laughs> uh, it was that and Little House on the Prairie, oh. uh, and uh, you know um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I think, and the red fern grows, but we had to stop watching that because all the girls would get real sad. Yeah, yeah. one um, of those things. And, is, one and, of those and, things and, is fun. Well, I'm sorry, I cut your joke off. And what? Oh no! Oh, and me. I would get. I would get. Everyone would get sad with that. Yeah, one Before of those things goes. is good. Willy Wonka. Everything else, you're like, ugh. What are you doing to me? Uh, um. Well, like, but no. Like, I remember. Um. Like, it was. Yeah. Ah. Uh, uh, I remember being a, like watching the episode, like watching Joel's last episode, um, where you know where he leaves and he leaves the plaque, right? Mm-hmm. And the plaque has a quote from the Seven Faces of Doctor Lau, which is also my favorite movie, which I had on a on a cassette tape that my mom taped off the Disney Channel, and I would I, I watched just just the hell out of that movie and just like. Being being a, a a weirdo kid in the middle of nowhere, uh, in in rural Michigan, and just to have like my the the character on my favorite show say that that's his favorite movie too. Yeah, like, <gasps> and then mispronounced Doctor he calls it Doctor Lou, I believe. Well, this, they, but, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, well, but they do that in the movie too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. The great Tony Randall. If you've never seen it, it's George Powell. Very, very interesting movie. Very uh, 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 problematic these days. Oh, very problematic. Uh, if you, but I will, I will say this: Tony Randall is less problematic. Not, I'm not defending it, but Tony Randall right. is 
is less problematic than, say, Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. You right, know? and he plays it with respect. Yes. It's, it's, when he's using the pigeon, he just straight up says, oh, I use that to confuse people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the book is absolutely bonkers. Like, the book is not, does not follow a, like an actual story. Oh, really? It's, yeah, it's, it's super bizarre. Um, but just like, but all these weird connections of like, you know, this weird pop culture thing to this weird pop culture thing, but not even a thing that's in the popular culture, a thing that's, you know, like that movie was 40 years old when it, you know, when they're referencing it in the nineties. Right. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Like before I was a kid or, or b- before there was the internet and you could look up what all these references were. You just kind of had to like, well, like, I don't know who this George Sununu guy is, but he sure <laughs> spends a lot of money on haircuts. And then you read it, and then, right? And then you, like, you read about, you know, like, the military-industrial complex sure. in, 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 uh, in high school, and you say that to a teacher, and they just look at you like, how do you know who George Sununu is? And I'm like, well, hmm. Yeah, I remember. I, I watch a puppet show. <laughs> I remember going to see that at, uh, when that movie came out, that only played out here in in Southern California. It was only on like in theaters that were near college campuses because that was the main audience yeah. for Mystery Science. So we drove out to uh, the University of Irvine, and there was a there was a theater out there that was running it. There were only like two or three theaters. They were both about thirty miles away from where we lived, but it was like we've got to go see this. And uh, it was the seeing it with an audience. Was just the most, yeah. and it wasn't a huge audience. There was maybe twenty people in the theater, but still, the laughter was such that you had to, you, you know, the, the, you 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 missed some of the jokes because because people were laughing so hard. And yeah. uh, I remember when they did when when the scientist comes out and does the wave and they go Heil Hitler. That got such a huge <laughs> laugh. You know, it was so uh, still one of the best times I've ever had going to see a movie. Um, and yeah. it took, we we went with my we took a friend of mine who uh, wasn't necessarily the biggest fan, and he just you know, he was you know he he loved it as much as we did, so it was it was a great time. That was it was great to see in the theater. Uh, I I just mentioned it because you you mentioned Sununu going for a haircut in yeah. his in his saber jet. Yeah. yeah, there's so many references you're never going to get them all. And I think what I loved about the show, and you brought it up, is these guys were referencing stuff that they grew up with. They were they were referencing mm-hmm. stuff that was relevant to them, but was also accessible. You know, you it, with a little digging, you could find out what that reference meant. And uh, you weren't going to get all the jokes. And what I that's what I loved about that show. They weren't afraid to put. They they knew that nobody outside of Circle Pines is going to get certain <laughs> certain yeah. jokes, right? But you know, for the people that get it, it's always you always felt like, oh my god, I understood that joke. It was kind of like a. It, it was the equivalent of finding an Easter egg sometimes, you know? Like, yeah, and and that's and that's kind of like why I like doing uh, and pulling this back to Hob the Troll, right? That's why I do the least renaissance songs that I can because when I'm when I'm out there and, and, and doing, you know, you know, these dumb songs, my the, the person I'm really going for is the person who maybe this is their first time at a renaissance festival Maybe they're not really into the whole like my lord, my lady thing, and they just kind of need something weird to be like, wait, what? What the hell is this? <laughs> and a troll playing in excess on a toy piano is just going to be just weird enough for them to be like, oh, okay, I shouldn't take this. 
I shouldn't take this seriously. It's just a show. I should just relax. Yep. Right. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's, <laughs> I, I, I will have to explain uh, why, why something's funny. If, 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 if it, you know, if I think it's funny and I do it and somebody else thinks it's funny. Great. That's it. And that, I think that's the whole, you, you, you cut into the, the central conceit of mystery science theater. They put out a show that they thought was funny. They were putting out jokes that made them laugh. They, they were a group of funny people and they could make each other laugh. And they go, well, this is gonna, this, this will translate because if, if we think it's funny, somebody out there is going to think it's funny. And that's part of the reason I think it's never hit the mainstream because some of the, the humor is so specific that only, like you said it yourself, like you were, you were what you were a, a, an introverted kid in rural, Michigan, right? And you, it's like, well, this is for me. I, I was a very extroverted kid. It's just nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> I was just thinking about this with my daughter and about your album. You know, my daughter's kind of an introvert, and uh, you know, she 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 liked your album, but she's she's grown up in a time where we used to have to go out and dig for that stuff, Steve. We used to have no, to yeah. go out, and like everything is her. It's like, oh, you're a you're a socially anxious teenager, and uh, and you, you you're into you know this you know you're into only this you're into this type of music and anime. Guess what? Here's a band specifically for you mm-hmm. on YouTube, and here's their whole playlist, and you can interact with them. And like we didn't have that growing up. No, it's like you, that's kid, why when people when people try to be like, oh, look at these kids on the internet today, I'm like, yes, yes, they're connecting yeah, with people. Them. Yeah. Oh my god, I would have I would have killed to to have known that like, oh, you're not like. For me, you know, like I said, Joel saying like that was his favorite movie was the equivalent of like finding, you know, uh, just just some Facebook group or you know some subreddit or whatever where somebody can like hand you like uh, like you're let into a secret club of like this is pretty cool. That's how my buddy John and I uh, became friends because I. Um we used to work together and one day at night at work, I offhandedly made a reference to Gene Krupa just because a, I love Gene Krupa and B it's a funny name to throw at somebody if they don't know, yeah. you know who that is. And he's like, Holy cow, you know who Gene Krupa is? And I was like, brother, I've got records. You want to come back to my house and, and check out my Gene Krupa LPs? Let's do this. And, uh, you know, a friendship was forged, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it is nice when you make that connection. So you're right for somebody to be at home on the internet, if they can make that connection without having to leave and, and kind of expose themselves to people being dicks about it, all the better, yeah. all the better. You're going to be better off for it in, you know, in 10 years time when you're not carrying all that baggage around. Yeah. And, you know, just, and, and also knowing how to, uh, knowing how to interact with, with other, like knowing how to be a fan about something without being, like insufferable about it sure and the thing i i've always loved about uh misty's is that you know everybody likes different stuff and they're all like oh, okay cool you know for a while like the biggest rivalries on the internet were like you know kirk or picard or joel or mike those were those, that was it right <laughs> like let me just go let me just log into prodigy and, and, and you know and the great thing about this with the the great thing about the Joel and Mike debate is I never felt that there was real animosity. You would watch both. You would watch whatever yeah. if it was on, you were watching it. You weren't gonna be like, Oh, I don't watch the I don't watch the Mike episodes. It's like 
no, you're going to watch the Mike episodes because mm -hmm. Crow and Tom and Gypsy and everybody and Cambot are still there. The jokes are still there. Mm -hmm. You know, so why wouldn't you just keep watching? Yeah, and, and that's what's kind of like why I've stayed fans of that and like other stuff I've just kind of been like, eh. There's, there's a band I really like called uh, uh, Sloan. They're a Canadian band. Um, uh, Jangle, uh, Jangle Pop, fantastic band. Really good band. But they have a line in one of their songs that it's it's almost a mantra, which is, it's not the band I hate, it's the fans. <laughs> and there's some stuff in, you know, the the nerd culture where I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to <laughs> wade into this. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, paddle a canoe over a sea of licensed merchandise just to find out, like, just for you to, you know, talk about this thing you don't really like. It's funny, you know. It's funny. It's that's my mantra with the Beatles because uh, I've I've made yeah. this argument over and over. You know, I, I just say you know they're just not my cup of tea. I like like five of their songs. I love. I think they're great, but it's just they 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 they, I, they miss the mark with me most of the time. I'm not out, but so many people get so angry, and I say you guys are proving my point. I've had to deal with mm -hmm. this my whole life when I say they're not my favorite, and every time somebody else comes at me, I'm like, look, you just proved my point. I have yeah. to do it all over again. It's like you doing that just you know now you're making me you're only strengthening my resolve, and you're you're yeah. you're winning my and, argument and for me. Yeah, and that's 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 me with most of Star Wars. Hey, listen, you know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. If you don't like it, yeah. I, I understand. I get yeah. it. You know, wait, wait what's the part and that you? What's the what's most of Star Wars? Is there Star Wars that you like? I like monsters. Oh, there you go. I like I like I like character design. I like creature design. My favorite, one of my favorite things, um, and and it's a little bit of a it's a little tidbit that I I've I've, very, I've come into very few uh, 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 Star Wars fans who 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 know this. On one of the DVDs of one of the prequels, it's uh, they're they're talking about production design, and which I, I absolutely love. And they're talking they're they're doing an, they're they're talking to one of the uh, digital animators who's animating Yoda for the fight. Mm -hmm. And it's Frank Oz uh, and and George Lucas, and they're over this guy's shoulder, and they're just kind of giving him notes, and it's just like. Well, you know, when I when I did the when I did the puppet, you know, um, he would have a little uh, ear wiggle because that was just the foam, you know, latex moving, you know, like, uh, you know, just kind of jiggle. So he, he's he's you know got these big pig ears, um, and then George Lucas says, "Well, yeah, but you know," and he's green and he's hopping hopping around like a frog, and Frank Oz says, "Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, like from our discussion." Uh, like when we were first, you know, thinking this up, it's like, what if a pig and a frog had a baby? And you just see the animator. <laughs> Wait, that's that's what Yoda is. Yes, Yoda is Frank Oz being like, what if Kermit, uh, Kermit and Piggy had a baby? There, there you go. There it is. <laughs> And, and again, to pull back to the profits, it's just a show. You should really just relax. I love it. You know, like, like I like, but, but yeah, it's just like, I, I, I'll bring that up and people say, well, actually he's of this race. And it's just like, oh God. 
the, as my, my co-host John Sandy says, the rivet counters. How many rivets are on the Millennium Falcon? It must be accurate. It must be accurate from film to film. Yeah. Uh, Steve-O, what is your, let me ask you this. Yes. You, you mentioned you like creature design. What is your absolute favorite film, uh, film monster? If you had to pick one. It's Creature. It's the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh. And I just finished I just finished Mallory O'Mara's book uh, about um, uh, oh my god, why can't I even remember? Uh, Millicent Patrick. I just finished uh, The Lady in the Black Lagoon and it's incredible. We just covered uh, have you uh, read it? Have you- we just no, we I have not read the book, but I will I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down for my buddy John. We just covered it's real good. We just covered Creature from the Black Lagoon for the podcast uh, just a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, John Sandy, my co-host again, who I keep referencing endlessly, he's a huge mm-hmm. fan of the Universal Monsters. And so he was he was in heaven that we were doing Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Uh, that is a great, you know, watching it I, again, you know, we, there's no, it's seamless. It's a seamless Pat design. Hates it. Pat, Pat, uh, Pat Francis uh, hates that one. And I'm like, yeah, you're like, uh, it's got its flaws. Absolutely. Um, but like, I, I still love it. Like that was like one of the first, I think that was like the, also like the first classic movie I saw, you know, and I'm like, it's, but it's, you know, it's not really considered a classic by anybody, but you know, kids, when you first see it, you know, like, like that's kind of who it's designed for. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I, there, there's something about it that's just so cool. And like when I saw it, like, like you, you know that it's a guy in a suit, but you're like, that's still that's still really cool. No, the eyes, it's sculpted, uh, you know, the way he breathes, uh, all of that. You know, this when they mm-hmm. do you know, that that is a movie that where you they do a lot of close-ups of his face and it holds mm-hmm. up. It holds up. Yeah. And it looks and that some of that black and white cinema, cinematography in the original, that underwater cinema, it's absolutely beautiful. So, because they shot it for 3D. Ah. Yeah. It's really, really well done. Uh and and watching it again. Uh, you know that's the that's probably the the universal classic I'm the least familiar with. My dad was a huge fan of all of those movies. Loved the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, uh, now, I, the best in terms of like story of those ones, like the Invisible Man is, is like is is terrifying. Yes, that's is, probably my like, favorite. It is. Yeah, and Claude Rains is, is unbeatable. Is just it, what a great performance. And he was in he was in all like almost all of the uh, uh, the Universal. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's what's funny? And, and uh, Dana Gould on on his podcast talks about you know, yeah he uh, yeah Claude Rains and his son uh, Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> son, welcome back to England. Hiya, Pop. <laughs> and I love what I watching. We just watched The Wolfman recently too, and what, I love that everybody calls him Laddie, uh, Laddie. Laddie, like, <laughs> Laddie. Are you sure it's not Larry, Lawrence? Yeah, Larry. They call him Larry because he just came back from America. Hi, I'm Larry, uh, and I'm going <laughs> to spy on you with a telescope, and it's going to you're going to be okay, and we're going to fall in love because I'm Larry, Lord Larry. Was it Lord? He was a Lord, right? Yeah. Or Baron? Yeah. What was he? I don't Something. know. Some some titled some titled gentry. Uh, yeah, Larry, Larry. <laughs> I was just laughing at hearing Claude Rains. They made him say Larry. So good. But he's so great in uh, in The Invisible Man. Uh, why even the moon's afraid of me. We uh, That was one of the first movies we did for Digital Movie Club. And, you know, my crew is mostly, it's John and myself and then millennials. And they loved it. They absolutely loved it. 
So it, it still well, holds I'm, up. I'm a, I'm a millennial, technically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't mind that term. People like like I know a lot of people try to fight against it. Like, uh, it it's it's fine. I just say it in to mean so you, so people get a rough idea of the age. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm I'm pushing fifty. John's pushing sixty. These kids are late. You know, late twenties. You know, mid thirties. You know, right in. I'll there. be forty this year. Yeah. I I graduated in two thousand. You, you know? look great. Uh, I I was I was in uh there there was like um. Uh, there was a um, a newspaper. Well, there's still I think there still is uh, called the Oakland Press, where they hi- they like uh, my freshman year. They said, "Hey, everybody, like uh, all the school districts in Oakland County, send us a representative. We're going to follow them through their four years of high school as they graduate in the year 2000. What this means, and all the other school districts from all over sent like kids who are on the track to be the best and brightest." And my school was just like, uh, we didn't really read this, so anybody who wants to show up, and I'm like, I'll do it. Um, and, uh, like, yeah, uh, so I just, I, I've just been more comfortable with that term sure. for, for longer. But yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be 40 this year. Feels and good, doesn't it? It, it, well, it would, it, yes and no, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I like it, it, I like that I've been able to make a living uh, up until this last year by performing, you know, yeah. um, being told as a kid, like you can do anything and then doing it um, and, you know, being uh, like kind of seeing that I didn't have to follow the same course that a lot of other previous generations did. I know that I'm, uh, in some ways an anomaly that like, I like all this stuff, you know, like, uh, very few other millennials are as into Dragnet and Columbo as I am, <laughs> but, uh, it just, it, it just kind of goes to show that like, yeah, we're the, we're the first generation that had access to the internet and had access to all this stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, access to cable, access to all of like, uh, the, the thoughts and, 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 film and music from from generations before and it's very easily available yeah like that's the defining feature of a millennial is like the first generation to do that yeah. and that's that's nothing to sneeze at yeah right? yeah having grown up in generation x we we were into stuff like that but you had to seek it out you had to find it we yeah. were the ones that had to go out well nobody was going to bring it to you or if somebody did bring it to you it was like you know it's a 10th generation bootleg and uh right. you know here's 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 a Here's a fuzzy copy of David Bowie live at uh, you know at the Santa Monica Civic Center in '73. You know, it's been recorded 50 times uh, on the yeah. on the shittiest cassette available. Here you go, right. enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> and there's also and 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 to get the the most bang for your buck, it's it's shot at the like it's 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 set at the the slowest speed possible. <laughs> so you could also have on there parts of a racer head and uh, you know uh, Tom Wade's big time. Yeah, and yeah, you know uh, like four episodes of the A list from Comedy Central. Exactly. And here's a, the last three songs off of Stop Making Sense. Uh, right, right, I, right. <laughs> I couldn't. We couldn't put the rest on there. So, or we taped no, over no, it. No. We taped right. over it. So here's a, uh, you know, here's a uh, life during wartime, and then it's gonna cut right into. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna, just, the tracking's all over it. Yeah, it's going to cut right into uh, the color episode of uh, the first color episode of "I Dream of Jeannie." Enjoy, right? And uh, but 
Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I was the same way, though. I was kind of, you know, my dad had grown up during the Depression. My brothers were a lot older than I was. They grew up in the 60s and the 70s. So a lot of that stuff was handed down to me. So I didn't have as hard of, yeah. a, I didn't have as hard of a time finding things. Um, you know, you know, the only reason I knew who Gene Krupa was because of my dad, you know. So, hey, we're going to watch the Gene Krupa story. It's on, it's on Channel 5 tonight. It's like, who? And, and then I watch it. And I'm like, wow, this guy's amazing. Yeah, but once you find it out, like, what do I do now? If I like this guy, now I got to go to Tower Records and I got to mm-hmm. dig through. And there's no way to listen to this thing. So I might end up buying some crappy import where everything sounds like it was recorded in an echo, re-recorded in an echo chamber. And uh, mm-hmm. God, the internet makes that so much easier, doesn't it? But yeah. so yeah, you you kids today with your with your TikToks and your but even even I'm still kidding. like <laughs> let's go like talking about Gene Krupa he was on the Muppet Show no that was Buddy Rich the show as a kid that was Buddy, Buddy Rich. Rich Buddy Rich different yeah different drummer different but they were contemporaries they were contemporaries yeah oh yeah they would do they would do the drum battles yeah and I I found that out because like yeah I saw Buddy Rich you know drumming against Animal and then I would go through uh like you know different record collections because. I would inevitably end up at some relative's house and they wouldn't have cable. They wouldn't have something. I'm like, Oh, you've got albums. Let's see. Let, let, like, okay, what's this? Hey, I remember this guy from that show. Oh, this is what, what's this? Oh, Jim neighbors. Oh, <laughs> Perry. Better when he says, chef, I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And oh, that part part of part of Hob Patrol is Jim Neighbors. There's there's absolutely. Oh, that's so good to know. That is so good to know. <laughs> that is so good to know. Steve, it's been it's been. I'm gonna I'm gonna. I don't want to take up any more of your time, but you've been a fantastic guest. And hey, thanks for having me. Of course. And now I, I we definitely have to get you on. There's a if you want to hear a great podcast, there's a podcast called The Coolness Chronicles, and this guy is actually doing a like. Uh, he's doing a whole history of Mystery Science Theater, like from the nice. KTMA days all the way up to now he's gone into Rift Tracks and Cinematic Titanic, and he's kind of following everybody. It's called The Coolness Chronicles. If you want to check it out, it's really, really good. Um, it, it's a podcast that I do recommend if you're a Mystery Science Theater fan. Um, so you, you, have you the, the Hobcast is on hiatus? Is that coming back? Is that- I don't know. Um, I, uh, I want to do so, – like. I want to do something with it, but it's not going to be the same thing I have been doing. Okay. You know, like before I was trying to be other shows and uh, listening back now, like there's some good episodes. I had some fantastic guests. Uh, I, I had uh, Trace Ballou. I had Mary Jo Peel. I had, you know, um, I've, I've, I've had lots of cool people on the show, but it's got to, it, it can't come back. It, it can't be the, the thing it was before. It's going to be close, but I, I haven't decided what that is. And you know, if, if you're going to do something, it's gotta it's gotta make you laugh. Yeah, I just got to figure out what the next what what that's going to look like. Next. Tell everybody where they can find you. Until then, on uh, on social media, are you do are you active on social media? Where do you want people to seek out Hob the like, Troll? Yeah, like Hob the Troll on on uh, on Facebook. H O B the Troll. Uh, also, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, hobthetroll.bandcamp.com. Buy the album. Buy it. You can check out the tracks before you buy. Um, yeah. I guarantee you will laugh. Uh, just check out the... It's ver- a great gift for somebody you don't like too much, a uh, co-worker <laughs> who you're mad at. 
Um, Absolutely not true. But it is true also. Because they'd be like, what the? Oh, yeah. Uh, so we're Bandcamp, Facebook. You can follow um, uh, at uh, the Hobcast on Twitter. Uh, I don't know how active you at, are. At, at Hob the Troll. Is it at Hob the Troll? Oh, you know what? Yeah. It's because it gives you the little, it gives you the tag yeah. on there, and it's it's the the Hobcast. Isn't it? I've I've been less I've been less active on that, but um, like I, I'll I'll read it. I just haven't. I I, I still direct there. people to the. I will throw you in list sometimes because I yeah. want people to kind of go back and listen to it because it is it, you can the episodes are still up. Yeah, there's yeah, it's it's not it's it hasn't gone anywhere, and like. There, there's some, there's some good stuff on there, uh, like um, Mark Gagliardi from uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour, and we got this with Mark and Hal plays King John on it, and it's like I would have him on as often as he can because it's just, it's just we we both go to the same stupid silly place pretty quickly. Yeah, my buddy, uh, my buddy Dan Fox, who uh, I do another show at the Renaissance with called The Bastard Monks. That's probably my favorite episode, the uh, Brother Perfidious episode. That's ridiculous. Yeah, there's some good stuff there. All these are up, still available, where fine podcasts are available, like ours. You can follow us at Soup Complex, S-O-U-P Complex, on Twitter. Give us a shout. Tell us how you liked uh, Steve-O's episode. But I'm serious. Please go to Bandcamp and find Hob the Troll there. And uh, your Christmas cut is also available there, Rebel Bell. Yes. Uh, yes. It was Rebel Bells, which is inspired by Billy Idol. Uh, yes. But, uh, Steve-O, thank you so much, my friend. This is amazing. Thank you for having me. And uh, now that I know we have Girls Town in, uh, in common, uh, I will just say this. Oh, what a jag you are. So for <laughs> myself, for Steve-O Doggerson, I say this transmission ends now. Unity. Unity.